Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the What's Going Down podcast. I almost said Power Slam there. Uh, my name is Kenny McIntosh and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, I was really hoping that getting back here, I might, I might sound crystal clear that I'm back in my echoey tenement house. But it's an echo, echoey tenement house that I own. So that's well, something. Well, different. it's not a tenement, it's a mansion, isn't it, Kenny? Let's be honest. You know, some may call it palatial. I wouldn't call it that. I mean, I mean, I mean, your neighbour Rod Stewart says, "Well, it's not." <laughs> you know, I, the, the irony of that is that while we're doing this, Steve Gunn is currently trying to deal with the mould in the bathroom because of the ground floor <laughs> living the high life, as Felicity thingy did in the seventies. Anyway, um, so uh, we're here to talk about all, all all the wrestling that's going on. Now, we know I I wanted to mention this at the start when we record Power Slam, um, this week. We will be talking about the Stone Cold Steve Austin stuff with you know the, all the reports that he's been asked to do another match, that he's open to do another match, also the training videos. So we will get into that on Thursday. Uh, we're not going to talk about it today. Um, but Finn, you know, we talked last week about this Nick Aldis news, right? Yeah. Of, um, of him, I just, of him, kind of you know leaving the NWA, and <laughs> I mean, I think we understood on Sunday why. He left the NWA because Tyrus, the 49-year-old Tyrus, won a triple threat match against Trevor Murdoch and Matt Cardona to become the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. There is a, a gift 
that is circling the internet, as I'm sure you've seen, Finn, where Tyrus does, uh, I think, a forward role that my mum could probably pull off. Yeah, yeah that's it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then Billy Corgan has doubled down on it, saying, you know, if, if you don't like seeing matches with the likes of Tyrus and Trevor Murdoch, then you don't watch the NWA. So, I mean, what what's happened? He seems to just, as Billy Corgan started sniffing glue, is that the... Like, it's just unfathomable that, you know, with such a small amount of support they had, they lose Nick Aldis and then they have put the belt on Tyrus and then double down on it. It's just kind of fascinating that they've gone that route. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand it. I mean, we had a conversation about Tyrus some weeks ago. Um, I mean, who, apart from Billy Corgan, can take him seriously? Maybe there's like five NWA fans who are happy about this. Maybe more than five, maybe 10, maybe 15. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, this is like, I mean, I mean, Trevor Murdoch was not exactly the sort of person that was going to you bring a mass audience to the product. <laughs> but I mean, let's be honest. Um, but I mean, he was a little bit more respectable in the role than Tyrus is. Um, and, you know, since it's Twitter, of course, it, politics has come into this as well. It always does when Twitter's involved. And I try to avoid really thinking too deeply about someone's political views when I'm watching pro wrestling, unless they're laying them on thick as part of their character or a promo or whatever. This is supposed to be an escape from normal life. Let's be honest. It is, isn't it? That's what pro wrestling is for yeah. us. It's escapism from everyday life. It is, I mean, it's supposed to be, but what I will say is, so let's, let's, but even let's say that you are going to take po his politics into account, right? Like, let's say you were, I know you're not, but say you were, yeah. say you're going to go, right? I don't like the fact that he's a right wing guy on Fox News, right? It would be like, even if you take that away, he's terrible in the ring. Yes, so, absolutely. So it's That's not it. like, it's, it's not like you're, you're sort of going, right, okay, this guy is quite, um, you know, outspoken about his political views, which usually is something we wouldn't really want, but he's so dynamic as a performer that that should over, you know, supersede that. But that's not the case. That's absolutely right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm basically here on merit, not what his political views are. I don't care really what they are in the context of reviewing his match yeah. and his suitability to become NWA world champion. I mean, he's lousy as a wrestler, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't look like an NWA world champion to me. I mean, Trevor Murdoch really didn't either, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but I mean, this is definitely a step down from Trevor Murdoch. And you're right, that, you know, that gift that's been widely circulated. I mean, that for a lot of people, they just won't watch the match. They'll watch that spot and they're like, I am not watching this match because I've got 50 other things that I could watch instead in November 2022 that are probably going to bring me more pleasure than that match will. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's imprinted, you know, indelibly on people's minds. That <laughs> is the NWA world champion, a person who does spots that look that bad. Yeah, mind you, yeah, he did have some competition from Liv Morgan and uh, Raquel Rodriguez, didn't he, for worst spot of the week? Oh, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Tamina looked pretty bad as well in that match with Maya Yim on Raw. So there's been, you know, some healthy competition for looking terrible in the ring lately. <laughs> um, yeah, Tyrus is champ. I mean, I don't understand this move. I mean, it, Matt Cardona presumably is leaving. Maybe that's the reason he hasn't put the belt. Because Cardona was NWA World Champion earlier in the year, wasn't he? Before he suffered the biceps injury. I think that's yes, right. Yes, I think he was. I think so. 
Yes. So I don't understand why he didn't put the belt back on Cardona. That's what I would have done. Um, if he had to change the belt, Cardona would be, you know, infinitely a better choice than Tyrus. I mean, at this point, how much longer is the NWA going to be around? I mean, his only way out of this is really just to change the belt on the next show. That's what I would do if I was him, because this has been a colossal blunder, which reflects incredibly badly on his promotion. But, you know, you also look at... Um... You look at like Nick 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 Aldis as an example, and you know he was someone who, I, and I I know he's been there for a few years, so you know the freshness is maybe gone, but he was someone who was very influential to them in getting them to you know get a bit of momentum when they had it, and you know I think now that he's gone as well, it's kind of like there's nobody left. I mean, you you kind of hit the nail on the head. Imagine a world where in twenty twenty two. You can have Trevor Murdoch as your world champ, and you can somehow find a step down from that. <laughs> I mean that that's you know that's almost like you know I mean like I was going to make a political joke there, but I, you know it's almost like saying Liz Truss was was a successful PM or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, there's I think, there's I think we can all, I think we can all agree that she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, be a Tyrus, I mean. And 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 Billy Corgan doubled down. I don't I, I don't understand why. And the thing was, like, I remember seeing people because I've tweeted out about it, being like, you know, what are they doing? And then I saw the the spot and all that. And there was somebody who said to me, you know, people, you know, they've they've put the belt on Tyrus because it's controversial and that'll get people watching. And no, thought, it won't. It won't because people will just watch something else because they've got so much choice in twenty twenty two. Yeah, well, that's it because it's not as if. If it was a controversial thing that made people watch, that is one thing. But this is a controversial thing that, like, people aren't giving the NWA a chance anyway. Yeah. And this is, you know, any you know, if, if I'm a wrestling fan and, and, you know, whether it's wrestling or non, I mean, we've all got that never-ending list of TV shows we're waiting to start that exactly. we've just not got to yet, you know. And and then we've got the never-ending amount of wrestling stuff that people have recommended to us that we've never got to. Exactly. Imagine get to a point where all that you put throw all that away to watch Tyrus. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. And listen, we're gonna co- we'll cover AEW on the person. I mean, stage. you know that hour of the day is never going to arrive. No, you could you could you could forego the daylight saving times change. I'm still not doing it, even if it's an hour brighter outside. I'm not watching Tyrus. I, I draw the line. I mean, let's face it, Kenny. You say, you know what? I'm going to set the alarm half an hour early tomorrow so I can get up and watch that Tyrus match. Said no one ever. <laughs> It'd send you back to sleep. You, you know, you imagine, imagine you're, you're trying to wake up in the morning, you get that. Um, anyway, um, AEW, we'll talk about that on the Power Slam podcast this week. We'll see what happens on the Go Home uh, Dynamite and we'll kind of run down the full gear card. We assume by that point the Elite will have made the return um, for the pay-per-view and we'll talk about what the, what the matches are going to be. Um, did you happen to see just They've very... already announced a lot of matches. They have. I mean, yes, the, the card's pretty much set apart from, we assume, the match with the Elite. Did you happen to see the clip of Sammy Guevara as a, an announcer at a boxing show in Dubai and a rather embarrassing moment for him? No, I did not see that. He, um, he was there and there was a kind of moment of, you know, would you step in the ring and, and have, a, have a fight? And if you watch the clip... I think Sammy Guevara is expecting a big reaction and he does not get one at all. <laughs> and uh, you can sort of see the moment where he goes, oh no, not as big as I thought I was. 
No, <laughs> no, you aren't, Sammy. Um. Anyway, well, let's let's move on to the the, the WWE shows. Um, we're st- you know keeping the build going to Survivor Series. Um, you know it's funny because AEW have announced all their matches, but with the uh, WWE, we're still waiting for parts of the the War Games stuff to happen. And we're as we record this, we're eleven days away from Survivor Series, so we'll we'll no doubt get confirmation this Friday on SmackDown. But last Friday. We had the Usos against the New Day for the Undisputed Tag Team titles. If the New Day won, they would retain the longest reign of the tag, t- tag titles. But if the Usos won, they would go on to have the longest reign on Monday. Um, yeah. They went about 24 minutes. Um, and I thought, I think the credit you, should, you, you give to these teams is the fact that they've they've wrestled a lot and the New Day are not as exciting as they used to be, but they still really got people into it. So that's a testament to both teams, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they did a really, yeah, we talked about this um, last week, didn't we? Um, the head-to-head on TV last week, uh, promoting the match and how much it meant. And it just felt like, a, you know, a different approach from Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. There was no larking around. There was no silliness. There was no daft catchphrases. It was all business. And, you know, I like that version of the New Day. And I think most other people do as well. Um, so uh, I well, mean, sorry, that... it's, like, it's like when The Rock used to be in, in in wrestling, he would be really funny, but then he'd also be serious to yeah. balance out. Of course, he would. That's right. I mean, you know, he would whatever was appropriate to the segment or the match or the angle or whatever, he would tailor his character to it, and that's what Woods and Kingston did with this match. I thought it was. It felt like a huge match. I mean, the near falls were all really good. It was a masterful progression of the drama i thought the s the way this match escalated and just went up the gears or up the levels i just thought that was first rate um i thought the finish could have been slightly hotter but i mean i'm not saying they should have been out there any longer in fact they may well have been out there a couple of minutes too long but i still feel like the match was was a sensational match uh, Jay pinned Kingston after they nailed him with the 1D in midair as Kofi leapt off the ropes. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought he absolutely fulfilled all of its potential, lived up to all of its expectations. It just felt like a match that mattered. And these two teams made this match matter with their body language, you know, their demeanour beforehand, the whole way they approached it. You know, the fact that it was kickouts galore and it was like, we're going to put in, you know, WrestleMania caliber performance here because us retaining the belts for Jimmy and Jay means so much and us winning the belts for Kofi and Xavier meant so much to us as well. I mean, it was the, def- you know, it was, it was the quintessential example, Kenny, of a high stakes match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and and I think they, they delivered, as, as I said, and... Um... You know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where who the Usos have got as challengers coming up. Um, but I think that, yeah, they nailed it here. And then even Roman Reigns was happy with them backstage. Uh, he told them this is the promised land. Um, and yeah. they were, and there's a great moment where you know he he hugs each of them individually, and then when Jay Uso gets the hug, it's like you know, Kasami's not there, so it's almost this like, oh, I've got I've I've got some attention. He he loves me today. Um, which was a nice touch, I thought. It was, and it means that when Sammy reappears, probably this week on SmackDown, you know, Jay can blame it, can blame, you know, the the fraught relationship between him and 
Roman on Sammy. So mm-hmm. that just escalates and the tension between him and Sammy again, which is, you know, what's TV gold, you know, with this bloodline saga is a whole Jay and Sammy and how Sammy's involvement in the bloodline just changes everything, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And it will continue to... Um... We I, there's not really much point going into it too much, but we did start the World Cup and we saw Santos Escobar beating Shinsuke Nakamura and Braun Strowman beating Jinder Mahal, so they have advanced in the SmackDown World Cup tournament. So um, yeah, it was quite well. Most interesting about uh, the Nakamura versus Escobar match uh, was Michael Cole on commentary acknowledging that Nakamura will face the Great Muta. Uh, for Pro Wrestling Noah on January 1st as part of uh, Muta's retirement tour. Can you imagine that being mentioned during Vince McMahon's reign as chairman and supreme leader of WWE? Just wouldn't have happened. Never. Because well, didn't they also, they also mention that Crown Jewel about uh, Carl Anderson being the never open, openweight champion for New Japan? And you know he's presumably going to drop that belt, which before he would not have been able to do or allowed to do so yeah i mean they're, they're opening things up a little bit I, I i don't think we're getting a forbidden door show before md you know wonders but i mean it's, it's good, no. good to see some i mean look nakamura is absolutely useless at this stage so sending him over to do the great Muta show is a good bit of pr for wwe to do and uh, it doesn't hurt the status quo back at home no it doesn't i mean and if nakamura you know, was, you know, in the running to be a big star in future, he would have defeated Escobar here, wouldn't he? He wouldn't yeah. have lost in the first round of this World Cup match. Uh, sorry, of this World Cup tournament. Um, but I think just finally, a final point on this is the fact that they brought this up and they're sending Nakamura over to participate in Great Muta's uh, retirement tour, I think does board well um, for Muta potentially going into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2023. Yeah, Which, uh, you know, I think that would be something that a lot of people would like to see, and as like a reciprocal arrangement with Noah, I think that would be something that would be good for Muta, good for WWE, good for the fans. So uh, I'm hoping that's going to happen next year. Uh, well, let's move on to the rest of the stuff on SmackDown, and we did have a segment which I think, I think if you wrote this down on paper, we would just kind of scratch our heads and think this is a bad idea. But they did this thing with LA Knight and Bray Wyatt, which actually turned out to be really interesting, I thought, um, which is not what I would have thought had I read it and not seen it. But, uh, you know, I thought this was pretty good. What did you make of this? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, LA Knight, um, he was backstage, he was being interviewed. Um, he said the World Cup was a waste of time because he hadn't been entered into it. And then Bray Wyatt's logo kept appearing on the screen behind him. And then Knight was like, what's going on? Why is, why is this interrupting my TV time? They turned around and there was Wyatt stood right in front of him. And they had like a tense exchange. Um, and that led to uh, Wyatt basically nutting Knight, headbutting him and uh, to the floor. Um, and it seems to indicate that they're going to have a match, which I never would have predicted. You know, just not at all. This is a very deviation from the path that Wyatt was on. But maybe they feel like after the Crown Jewel appearance that they've established what this new character is and they don't need to lay on any thicker than they already have and any other or any further disclosures. And I'm sure there will be 
some if not many can occur gradually in matches and not feel like they're being crowbarred in but just sort of happen you know along the way you know as he you know makes his journey uh as this new character so yeah i mean bray wyatt versus la knight i never saw that one coming kenny i thought wyatt's first opponent would be someone further down the pecking order and it would be an easy win um, you would think that Wyatt is going to defeat Knight, but I mean, Knight's, you know, in a new, this is, a, he's back playing his NXT character and he's like a new character essentially as LA Knight on SmackDown. So that does make one wonder, obviously Wyatt's going to win, isn't it? They're paying him all this money and he's spent <laughs> all this, nearly 18 months trying to get him back. But I mean, it's, it's Knight's not going to be a pushover. Because yeah. you can see that they like LA Knight and you think that LA Knight can be a somebody in this company and absolutely can be. So, yeah, I never saw this coming at all. Very, uh, very interesting. And um, I'm not sure if they're going to have a match at Survivor Series, maybe. I um, hope they do. Well, let's go from interesting to god-awful, which was the six-pack challenge for the SmackDown Women's title. We had Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Shotzi, Sonya Deville, Lacey Evans and Zia Lee, and the winner would face Ronda Rousey at a Survivor Series. And I mean, you know, you watch this match and you just go, none of these women are in a position, booking-wise, where they're ready to face Ronda Rousey. None of them. Never mind Survivor Series. And the person who is the most, sort of, to me, the most um, capable would be Raquel Rodriguez, but she's not had any feature in really to make that the case. Um, and Shotzi's the one who wins. I mean, you're going to mention the terrible spot, obviously. But, um, you know, even minus the terrible spot, the match was just clunky. It was just a bunch of basic moves being thrown around by a bunch of people who aren't very good. Um, and then at the end, Shotzi wins. So it was, I, I felt very deflated by this because I was hoping that we were going somewhere with Ronda. Um, because especially, you know, she's pounding a bit with Shayna Baszler, so they're almost like a, a double act. Yeah, and I mean, none of these two, if they put their heads together, any of these six women would feel like a legitimate threat to them. So it's hard to get excited about any of the prospects here. What did you think of this? Yeah, I mean, I thought the match lasted too long. It just, I mean, I know many times WWE fans have complained that WWE hasn't allocated enough minutes to multi-person or multi, sorry, multi-woman matches. So, I mean, it was as if they decided that we need this to go fairly long to, you know, offset those complaints that we don't give our women enough time in the ring. And uh, this match was a perfect illustration as to why these matches sh shouldn't go as long as this one did. And I mean, there's some parts of it were OK, um, but I mean, it, it didn't really tell a story. It was all over the place. And it's like everyone's got their little spot. And then they would then leave the ring. It was almost like watching a Money in the Bank match, only this obviously didn't have anywhere near as much thought put into it as a Money in the <laughs> Bank match does. And certainly the spot in question that was an absolute shambles and the one that also um, received, uh, was widely shared on Twitter, um, involved Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, it was Sonia Deville, wasn't it? And it was Liv Morgan at ringside. I think that's yes. right, Kenny. yeah, yeah. So Raquel set a table up um, at ringside by the announce table. And then she stood on the ring steps and it appeared that she was going to do a power bomb on Sonia Deville. But the problem was Raquel had her back to the table. 
So I have no idea what Raquel was going to powerbomb Sonia onto. I mean, this was, I was just mystified by this one. So then she stood there waiting for Liv to get into position on the barrier out of camera shot. And then she she then Liv then leapt, leapt from the barrier onto Raquel as if she was trying to do a cross body onto Raquel. So they would then fall off the steps onto and through the table. But I mean, there was just no it was everything was out of position. So, I mean, like Liv was jumping at her, leaping on her from the wrong angle. Raquel wasn't close enough to the table. Sonia was there in the way in this powerbomb position, even though she wasn't going to complete the powerbomb. And they just ended up falling on the floor and like grazing the table. Fortunately, no one was hurt. That's the best thing I can say about this disastrous catastrophic well, wasn't a catastrophic spot because no one was injured but it looked terrible mm -hmm. and it was just like why did this occur i mean how you you've all been doing this quite a while now this is not your first match you know kenny if you and i right we're in our first match together and we did something that looked this bad i would just immediately retire I would just say, you know what? I mean, I know I've put out some pretty rotten magazines in the past. I get that. <laughs> but, but I mean, if we, in our first match, screwed something up as badly as these, well, you can't really blame Sonia. You've got to really blame this one and Raquel and Liv and whoever laid this match out. Um, but yeah, if we were to screw something up uh, like this, this badly, I would have serious questions about my future in the wrestling business. I mean... I mean, hopefully they all just got together afterwards, sat down, watched it back and like just said, "Where? what were we thinking? And we must not do anything like that again. And please, WWE, just don't inflict spots like that on us. It just makes you look like a second rate amateur hour league. I mean, it was I just don't understand it. And then on top of all that, Shot Shotzi re-enters the ring and pins Lacey Evans to win the match. So it's going to be Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. I mean, okay, two, two thoughts that I had, though, was because Raquel Rodriguez was very good in NXT. Mm. She was very good. So to me, it almost seems that like maybe working with... Uh, the when, You know, she got in a groove in NXT. She's working with different people. It was good. I mean, here you got to wonder. I've been, I've been backstage at wrestling shows and I've watched wrestlers plan matches out before. Or I've been in the room and I've seen it happen. And yeah. it tends to be a collaboration, right? Of, sure. oh, well, you know, I could do this. Well, what if I did this? You know, because then it would look good when you did this. Are they planning, because are they planning these matches together or are they just, are, are, are half of them not really confident enough or there enough to, to prepare stuff? So stuff's being prepared for them. Well, you would have thought a spot as complicated. Well, I mean, it's a fairly complicated spot. And I've seen this as well. I've seen them out in the ring uh, on British shows and US shows and seen them working things out and going through spots in slow motion um, and just sort of like working out how something's going to break and how they're going to land and, you know, doing almost like a risk assessment on the probability yeah. of it failing. Um, but I mean, I just can't understand why Liv was on the barrier. She was just, it was just, she was just at the wrong angle. Now, had she been in front of Raquel and Raquel had been slightly closer to the table, 
then the spot might have worked. But she just hurled herself at her from the wrong angle. So it was impossible for this spot to succeed. So, and Liv's been doing this a long time now, and certainly long enough, you know, and, and, and on big shows and in prime pressure situations that she should be able to work out, have the foresight, or she should have had, you know, she should have had the foresight to realize that this was not going to succeed. And therefore, why even try it? Well, then, then we have, like you say, Shotzi won. And I mean, the idea of Shotzi versus <clears throat> Ronda, we've just seen the, the underdog against Ronda for a month, so now we're going to have it again. But, and then we, we go backstage and Shotzi talks to Emma, who's back. And then Shotzi's, I, I almost, I could not stop laughing. So Shotzi's talking to Emma, and Emma's asking where Madcap Moss is at one point, you know, and says she's got a crush on him. But but when when they initially speak, you know, Emma says congratulations, and Shotzi says thanks. You know, when you wrestled Ronda, you really took her to her limit. What? We're meant to believe that the Ronda Rousey Emma cluster from two weeks ago was Ronda Rousey being taken to her limit in six minutes. Like, we, yeah, it's just this awful scripting of these women who, and you know, Shotzi, whenever she does, you know. Every year when she does Halloween Havoc and she's spinning the wheel, she looks like a good laugh. But, I mean, I can't say I'm excited about Ronda. Ronda Rousey and Shotzi should be a mid-card match at the Hydro on a house show tour. It should not be on the Survivor Series. No, it shouldn't. I mean, no one believes that Shotzi will win. I mean, we've now got the panic, you know, the fear of, like, how badly is this match going to fall apart? And how many times? I mean, really, I mean... (laughs) You know, Paddy Power needs to offer bets on that. How many times will Shotzi versus Rousey fall apart? Three, four, five? How many spots will they botch? You know, they almost need to offer that as a novelty bet. Because, I mean, I'm just like so fearful of this match, uh, of it just, you know, falling apart really badly. I mean, the only, to me, I mean, this sounds awful, but Ronda just needs to pin her in 30 seconds. I mean, Shotzi's, this is as far as Shotzi's going to go. She's not much of a wrestler. They've incorporated this into her character now. I mean, she does have some appeal. You know, I think she's somebody who, I think she possibly could be a success in a tag team with a capable partner. I'm not sure who that is. But as a singles player, she's not going any further than this. So to me, cut your losses, WWE, and just book this as a squash. That's what I would do. Yeah. You maybe have a distraction from Shane or ringside if you want. I don't care. But do not book this match. Do you know, do not allocate this match more than 30 or 40 seconds, please. Because I just think it'll be a I just think it'll be another big flop. I just think it'll just be real mess. And we just don't need. Any more messy women's matches? I think the women's division, some difficult decisions need to be made in WWE. I think some people need to be um, sent packing. And I think some people need to be called up from NXT or some new people need to be hired because the women's division on SmackDown just feels really wishy-washy right now. And the fact, as you pointed out, Kenny, the fact that Shotzi was the one chosen from the, the, from those six to be Ronda's challenger at Survivor Series, just says it all. 
that just says all you need to know about the state of the women's division on SmackDown. And I mean, just yeah, just to kind of to put a pen in that, the last thing I want to kind of add to that is that um, the problem that WWE seemed to have, and it's a repeating cycle that go, that happens, is whether it's something like Ronda Rousey who's coming in from another sport or whether it's something like Raquel Rodriguez who's coming up from NXT, you've got these people who are coming in and what they need to be doing is working with pros and people who know what they're doing and people who are over. And instead, you know, we've, we're sitting with these people in, in the division, <clears throat> like, you know, Lacey Evans, unfortunately, Tamina, Dana Brooke, all these people who are useless as wrestlers. Like, and I don't, I know it sounds horrible and it sounds harsh, but they are. because. And then when you've got these people that come in, so Ronda Rousey, you know, she's trying to adjust to being a full-time wrestler now. So she needs to be in there with people who can help her do that, not be in there when she then feels that she has to lead the matches, when she's not there. She's had 50 matches in her career. So she should be working with people who've had 200, 300 matches who can help her through it. But yes, I'm, I'm with you. Difficult decisions need to be made soon. And you know, you've got a load of women in NXT who seem to be better equipped to do this or show yeah. more promise and you know, just bring them up. Get Absolutely. I mean, there's obviously some some very green performers as well in NXT, yeah. but there's so much talent there. And I think definitely one or two are ready to be brought up. Um, I'm sorry, but I mean, Lacey Evans, it seems like they've tried lots of things with her. Nothing has worked. Admittedly, this year she's played a lot of different characters and she was very much a casualty of the Vince Paul Levesque changeover. But I, I don't have much faith in her ever improving as a wrestler again she's somebody who possibly in a tag team with a capable partner maybe she could improve but as a singles at singles act i just don't see her going any further than this Sia Lee, you know they've never really gotten bored with her and i think she has some good spots but i mean i'm not i, I mean i can't name one match she's had that I would want to watch twice or I would recommend to somebody and say, yeah, Zaya Lee's really good. Watch this match. And Raquel Rodriguez, it feels to me like she's been on the back burner and she may well do, she may well win the Royal Rumble. Maybe she'll have a big run, uh, you know, on Road to WrestleMania season. It feels like there's a reason why she's not being pushed right now. It's as yeah. if they've got something big planned for her in 2023. Um, I mean, Liv Morgan, they're trying to rebuild her. Sonia Deville's really, she's just in a filler role. So, yeah, this division definitely needs some some new talent. Uh, and then the last thing from SmackDown, the, the big talking point is Roman Reigns was going to come out with the bloodline to make an announcement. And before he can really do that, we have Butch, uh, so Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland from the Brawl and Brutus come out. And they, you know, Ridge Holland says, we're sick of you guys always having a numbers game. Well, now we're even in the odds. And then we get the return of Sheamus to a big reaction, then backed up by Drew McIntyre. And this felt like one of those segments you would get a few years ago where, you know, the baby faces came out and there was a bunch of them. And all of these guys make sense to be in these roles. And the fact that Sami Zayn was kept off this week, you know, because obviously he'll turn up next week or this week and get involved. And then if Kevin Owens, fingers crossed, is not injured too badly from this past weekend, you know, it would be a great addition to see Kevin Owens go with the baby faces, given Sami Zayn his history. But uh, yeah, I thought this main event segment, the the, the big brawl, was was really good and uh, made me a bit as excited for war games as I'm going to be. What did you think? 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. I thought it was well done. I was really pleased to see Drew McIntyre move on from Karrion Cross. Uh, it was fun to see Seamus back and uh, also really unusual to see Roman Reigns interacting with Seamus and with different people, you know, because he's he's either been wrestling Brock Lesnar for what seems like forever or Drew McIntyre. It's like, wow, he's actually now wrestling you know, a new person. Obviously, it was a Logan Paul match at Crown Jewel. Um, but it, yeah, it just feels like a big shift for him and for the bloodline as well. Um, I know they obviously had the match with the Brawling Brutes, uh, Jimmy and Jay did at um, Crown Jewel, didn't they, Kenny? So, I mean, you know, it is an extension of that. But I think with Roman Reigns there interacting with Sheamus, it did feel very fresh. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I mean, hopefully Kevin Owens, we believe he suffered a knee injury over the weekend at House Show, Kenny. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, knee injury at House Show. They're, they're, as, as, as of now, we don't know how severe it is, but um, obviously he, we assume he was going to be the fifth member of the Babyface team. That would make sense with Kevin Owens and send Sami Zayn on the other team. And that's going to be an extension of the story. Uh, the Sammy, who's his, who does his loyal, who do his loyalties really lie with the bloodline or with Kevin Owens, his longtime best friend, on-off enemy. So I mean, that would be very interesting if that can happen. And as you said, hopefully it will. Should also mention as well that the Viking Raiders finally returned with Sarah Logan, and they beat down uh, La Gado del Fantasma and hit Row. Sarah Logan pasted B Fab. So good to see the Viking Raiders back after uh, so many weeks on the sidelines and to see Sarah Logan with them, Kenny. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I think the only thing that was a, a bit of a, you know, awkward one is that uh, Sarah Logan, I believe, has ripped off the look of a, a female indie wrestler who has been doing, who's had that look that she had for a long time. And, you know, that's one of those things where if you're going to do a gimmick, it's probably worth doing a wee check to make sure that you're uh, you're not going to, you're not going to infringe on people, and I'm. It's not at the end of the the day. WWE's bigger, so she'll get away with it if she wants to do it. But it's just not a great. You want you want people when you first come back to, back just to be talking about how happy they are to see you, not yeah. um not plagiarism on your first day back at school. Oh, exactly. So, um. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Um. Anyway, let's move on to Raw last night. There was lots of stuff from the show. Um. I did particularly love the Miz as uh, Mister Rogers. Uh, who Tom Hanks famously played in a movie film. Um, <laughs> he was doing um, a kind of Mr. Rogers-esque reading. Johnny Gargano comes out to confront him. Um, it's a great bit where he says, you know, I can't remember what Johnny... Johnny Gargano says, you know, you and your stupid jumper, and Miz just screams, it's a cardigan! Cardigan! <laughs> um, and the, the whole thing is, we're going to have a Dexter Loomis and Miz match to finally settle everything. Dexter wins uh, Miz has to pay him what he owes him and he gets a contract and then of course Dexter Lewis turns up from behind and Miz runs away in terror so the end is in sight for this story yes now is that going to be a Survivor Series or on Raw I thought they said it was going to be on Raw well Johnny Gargano said in two weeks time now I don't know if he got that wrong and it's going to be next week's Raw or if it's going to be the Raw the night after Survivor Series I thought I thought he said he was on the twenty eighth on the raw on the twenty eighth two days after Survivors, but then someone else. Oh, it's going to be at Survivor anyway. It's going oh, to take it, place. It a very weird to... thing to 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 say. Like it's a very weird thing to say in two weeks on Raw. Like it's just an yeah. odd one. We've got Survivor Series and a Raw before it, but yeah. So, I mean, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty good segment. Yeah, the Miz, was, as you said, he came out in a cardigan. He was on May, doing a special edition of Miz TV. Byron Saxton was in the Miz role as, asking the questions. Um, and uh, Miz said that he regretted paying Dexter Loomis. Uh, and he said he did so because he wanted empathy and that no one cared about him and no one was nice to him. And uh, he was obviously doing it for self-seeking, self-serving purposes. And then Johnny Gargano came out and said that Miz always took the easy way out. Uh, Miz said he was sorry and he was ready to move on. And uh, Gargano was like, well, you know, if you if you want to move on, just pay Dexter. And Miz refused to do so. And then that led to the announcement of the match. I had on the 26th or the 28th of November between Miz and Dexter Loomis. If Loomis defeats the Miz, he will receive all the money that the Miz owes him and a WWE contract. So if Paddy Power, Kenny, are offering <laughs> odds on that one, I think I know what I'd be putting my who I'd be putting my money on. Dexter Loomis, of course. Indeed, indeed. Not that we not that we advocate that we hear it. No, moment. that's it. Absolutely not. But we certainly advocate the <laughs> idea of this feud ending as soon as possible. Indeed, indeed. Now, I do need to say, because I feel like sometimes, right, the dynamic that we've got is you're, you're a little bit more forgiving than I am with WWE with certain stuff and seeing things play out, right? That's probably fair to say, right? Because I've kind of, I, I feel over the years I've just been beaten down with some of the stuff that doesn't, you know, come to fruition that kind of annoyed me. But I do want to say, I feel like I'm, I was completely wrong about Austin Theory last week. Because what they did with him on this show, I thought was fantastic. And the interview that he did to kind of explain why he, you know, cashed in on Seth Rollins and not Roman Reigns and how it was an anchor tying him. And then the whole presentation of him on this show felt like a big reset button for him, where he's yeah. now not this joke and not this kind of like guy. And this version of Austin Theory already just from this one night feels like he can go way further than before so i think that you know for me and i mean a lot of us last week were going what were they doing you know why did he cash in the u.s title and why did he do and but it all played in to to this story which i think is a really good thing for triple h's era that stuff like that is going to be able to be mentioned when we you know maybe in a couple of months we are questioning something they go, well you know let it play out with the awesome theory thing so i'm i'm here to eat a humble pie today finn Jolly good, jolly good, Kenny, and it, <laughs> and it was quite interesting. Around about the same, around about this time, there was a sign visible on camera which read, "Paul is greater than Tony." Did you see that one? <laughs> that was a funny one. Yeah, I mean, so Theory had grown a beard uh, in the interim, and he explained that he um, he'd attempted to cash in on Roman Reigns. Uh, SummerSlam the first time, wasn't it? SummerSlam then clashed. He said it's SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar was the cause, and then it clashed. Mm -hmm. It was Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury chinned him. Um, so he, he worked out that Theory had theorized that cash-in on Reigns was basically impossible because there would be either, you know, some member of the bloodline or there would be somebody that would save Reigns. So there's no point even going down that road. It was only going to lead to failure. And that was why he decided to cash in on Seth Rollins instead, because that was the next best option, which I thought was a... I wrote something about this, actually, in the next issue of Inside the Ropes magazine, uh, just about how the US title has been elevated recently. 
you'll you can read all about that in the magazine. But this was like another layer to that story that like, you know, a year ago or two years ago, the idea of someone cashing in the briefcase on on a secondary title would have been unthinkable. But now, because of circumstances and the way that things have changed since Reigns unified the belts at WrestleMania, the US title and the IC title as well over on SmackDown have both been elevated because they're more important because Reigns defends his belts so infrequently. Um, So I thought that was also a real feather in the cap of the US title and its elevation and, you know, a recent boost in prestige. So, yeah, I thought, I thought you know, Theory's promo was actually a, a very credible and plausible explanation. And then Dolph Ziggler turned up and just said, you know, stop making excuses and blah and like, and then Theory basically said, listen, I'm not, I'm not the future anymore. I am the now. You know, don't you call me kid and I'll <laughs> see you in the ring. And then Dolph Ziggler said, okay, kid, I'll see you in the ring. So that led to a match later on in the show between Ziggler and Theory, um, which was kind of a bit slow at first, but did really pick up, I thought, the match as it as it got going. And, you know, rather than have Theory score a pin on Ziggler, which would have been the outcome that most people would have expected, um, Theory kicked out of all this offense and in the end absolutely destroyed Ziggler, beat him down in the timekeeper's area and the referees and the producers... They all came out and dragged Theory off. So it was very much, yeah, uh, depressing the reset button. You know, a big conscious effort here to try and reinvent Theory as this very serious character who, you know, is no one's going to mess with him, basically. So, yeah, I, th- I thought it was really well done. I mean, I think I made that point last week on the podcast. I was like, let's see what happens next week. It's what happens the week after this failed money in the bank contract cash in that's what really matters here and that's what will define him you know for the rest of 2022 and beyond i mean that's obviously not what happened with sandow and corbin wasn't it after they cashed in yeah. it, th- there was no effort made at all to reinvent them they were just basically thrown on the scrap heap so um <laughs> you know very well done actually i thought by theory by ziggler by the refs and the producers and all involved actually and you could see at first, you're thinking, because mm, there wasn't much of a response to Ziggler versus Theory. And at first I was thinking, oh, dear, have they ruined Theory here? Have people given up on him? Do they think he's a failure? Do they think he's a loser? A loser? Well, do they think he's not worth the emotional investment anymore? And by the end of it, people were really mad about what he did. And you've got to say, Kenny, what an achievement that was, because it was Dolph Ziggler that he was beating up. And who the hell cares about Dolph Ziggler? Yeah, no, absolutely. I was going to say, for me, Dolph Ziggler, I was trying, I was trying to find a comparison of the way that you feel when you see Dolph Ziggler. And I think that I've got it. So you, and obviously, train analogies are important to me right now, given last week. So, you know, if you're at a train station, right? Yeah. And you're at a train station where there are barriers, and you have to buy the ticket to get on the train at this, at, you know, at the, and it's like the beginning station. So like Glasgow Central is the beginning station, right? Yeah. Of going anywhere. So the only way for you to get on the train is to buy a ticket and put it through the thing. When you see Dolph Ziggler, it's like seeing the train conductor on that train who wants to see everyone's tickets as you're pulling out of Glasgow Central. Even though he knows you've got them, 
that he just wants to exert himself. That's the feeling you get when Dolph Ziggler enters the chat. It's like, oh no, because he's just so tedious. I mean, yeah. poor Austin Theory stuck with him this week, but luckily the fans bought into it. But I mean, you know, we talked earlier about you know getting rid of people, get rid of Dolph Ziggler. Oh God, just yeah. get rid of him. Yeah. I mean, he's had his run. He's played every role he can, you know, in any every configuration you could imagine. And, um, you know, he must be bored. He must be bored. I mean, he even had that little run in NXT. But even he must be bored in WWE. And, you know, maybe, I don't know what he could do in AEW. Or I have no idea what he could do anywhere. Because I'm, it's impossible to imagine Dolph Ziggler doing anything else because he's been in WWE for so long. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's done. It was done three years ago, and he's still here. So, um, now, we did have various kind of segments and matches throughout the night involving damage control and involving uh, and, and, and involving baby faces. And basically, the long and the short of it is that Mia Yim was given a choice. You know, the, the damage control wanted to recruit her for war games, and she ended up choosing Bianca Belair's team to go with, which made it, you know, four on four. Um, but then Rhea Ripley went up to Damage Control and Nikki Cross and said, you know, if Mia Yim's in their team, then I'm in your team. Let's go to war. So they've got their five Bianca Belair's team to find a fifth member. So it could be Becky Lynch, could be Charlotte Flair, we don't know. Um, but, you know, odds are it's going to be some, it's not going to be Tamina, um, hopefully. Um, but what did you think of this, of the, the kind of story throughout the night of them trying to get members and get their teams together? Did it work for you? Well, it would have worked better if uh, Mia Yim had been booked against someone other than Tamina. And this was a big comeback match. And the match was dreadful. Yeah, I mean, it was just Tamina's performance was so bad. She should have been sacked the moment she walked through the curtain. It was that bad. She just looked like she couldn't be asked. I mean, it was just that awful. I mean, I mean maybe <laughs> Tamina's just deteriorated since we last saw her. But to me, she it was just such a half-hearted performance that it was it was a sacking offense that match. And it was like this match was supposed to heat Mia Yim up for a big return. She's going to be in War Games match, which is a huge match. It's the first women's war games match on the main roster, as we know. And that match was just foul. It's the only word I can use to describe it, Kenny. Foul. I mean, so, now, 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 look, I'm gonna defend Mia Yim here a bit, right? But this goes back to the earlier point, doesn't it? Of like, you know, Mia Yim's just come in the company. She's, yeah. you know, you want they're doing something to build her for this war games match, and then you lumber her with Big Tam, who just she's, she's like a sack of spuds, isn't she? <laughs> I think spuds could probably be more dynamic in the ring, to be honest. Um, I mean, she's just she's dreadful, and she's still. I mean, let me look actually. Right, Tamina. Now, bear in mind, every other woman in WWE is, you know, they look at the age, don't they? They look at the age, and that's how it ends up. She's 44. I mean, it's like Dolph. She's had a run. She's done all right. I mean, Tamina has been in WWE for 12 years. I mean, you can't say fairer than that, can you? I mean, you just can't. Yeah, I mean, thank you for your service. Piss off. Yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> Tamina Snooker should not be, like, she should not be allowed to wrestle on Raw. No, she shouldn't. And I don't really see 
what she contributes to anything. I mean, I mean, occasionally she would have a match and you think, well, it wasn't that bad. But I mean, if that's your reaction and if that's as good as it's going to get, and that's another one who just needs to be sent packing. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Grim. Um, but we'll see. We'll see, I guess we'll see next Monday on Raw who Bianca's fifth member will be. Uh, we also on uh, Raw had um, the the stuff with Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins and uh, and Theory, you know, as well. But we had at the beginning of the show we had a promo segment with Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley. Um, I mean, something's happened to Bobby Lashley's chest. I don't know what it is, but it looked really rough on one of the sides. He's like, I don't know what's happened, but um, and Mustafa Ali comes out and he's trying to kind of get involved, and he kind of came across that that wee brother that just won't go away. Yeah, he was, he's there, he's on Lashley's back, and Lashley's just like trying to swat him away like a fly, and then Lashley beats Mustafa Ali. I mean, also Mustafa, Mustafa Ali has changed his look again. He's now got these boxing shorts on um, along with his braids. I mean, you know, this isn't the Chris Jericho thing where he's like, oh, I'll buy loads of different gear so I can get loads of different action figures. Mattel aren't interested. <laughs> you know? but And, and, it, and the, the thing is, the fans, I mean, I'm not saying that the crowd in, uh, in Louisville were particularly like the hottest crowd in the world, but the fact that when Bobby Lashley was battering uh, Mustafa Ali and the crowd are chatting one more time, for a spine buster tells you that you know they're not in your corner no and you know Mustafa Ali's this he, but he might just be someone who's just not like maybe he's just never going to get over or maybe they're never maybe maybe there's a character that he can do that would be better but it's just not working and um, you know he's kind of I mean, he he was here to be the fodder for Bobby Lashley, um, and then you know Seth Rollins in the main event faced Finn Balor for the US title. Uh, yeah. Well, can can I just say something about Mustafa Ali? Mm -hmm. If you notice, they had this match between Lashley and Ali, and Ali refused to quit, and in fact he passed out from pain in the hurt lock. Mm -hmm. We all know what that means, Kenny. Oh, not this again. They've got plans for this guy. He didn't oh. tap out. He passed out from from pain, and and the thrust of the commentary was Ali will not quit. He's not a quitter. He's a fighter. So there's plans in place for this man. I mean, he's going but to. Rest... He's in this current gimmick or this current character. The plans are probably not going to get him over that much unless yeah, he. You are right about that, Kenny. We've I have talked about this before, and I'm not going to waste too much time on this now. I mean. <laughs> Ali needs a different character. He needs to turn heel. That is the way forward for this man, but it's got to be a big character shift. I've said this before, so I'm not going to bang on about it too much. Now, he's going to he's going to be facing Ricochet on SmackDown this Friday as part of the World Cup tournament, isn't he? Yep. Now, I think Ali is going to lose that match to Ricochet as a result of the injuries or the damage he suffered in the match with Lashley, and I think he's going to snap at the end of that match and beat down Ricochet. That's my prediction, Ken. Well, listen, I hope I hope it works for him. I'm not convinced, that, but I, I hope it does because I actually do like him. And but here, it did not fill me with confidence that he is uh, on route to big success. But um, elsewhere, was there anything else in Raw you want to mention before we kind of shut up shop? Well, uh, well, the main event, Seth Rollins. Yeah, well, we should we should mention just before you get to that, Kenny, that AJ Styles. Early on the show, challenge Finn Balor to a match at Survivor Series. 
He did. I wonder if it would be as good as their... Remember they had that match TLC in 2017 when Bray Wyatt had chicken pox or monkey pox, whatever it was? Monkey pox. And they had to redo that whole pay-per-view. Kurt Angle was the Shield's dad. What well, wasn't it? Or was it the mumps? The mumps, yeah, mumps. Not Pretty monkey good. pox, Kenny. Well, you look, you know, it was some... I don't, I don't think that was around at that point. <laughs> Do you know, in this modern era, there's so many diseases and things that happen. I'm running out of space in my brain to remember them all. Um, but AJ and Balor famously had that match, and it was really well received. People what really was he like? Enjoyed it. So they'd even it been... was tip-top. Tip-top. Um, they even did a little kind of too sweet thing at the end. So, uh, but yeah, AJ's facing Finn at Survivor Series. Uh, the Finn and uh, Seth match was pretty good. The main event, um, you know, I Seth Finn Finn's starting to look his age a wee bit. And I know I'm saying Finn twice there, but Finn Balor, he's starting <laughs> to look a wee bit like he's he's getting on. You know that 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 Irish that Irish skin's gonna come through eventually. So, well, you know, age brings wisdom, Kenny. You know, you know about this. No, I'm too. I'm too young. I don't have my wisdom yet. A couple more years. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's still in pretty good shape. His Finn Balor. Oh course. yeah, still in pretty good shape. But uh, but yeah yeah. I mean he's. Uh, I mean I thought it was a really good match between uh, between Rollins and Finn Balor. And Rollins at this moment in time, I can't quite work out. Is he about to turn face? I think, uh, he, I'm is. A, I think he is as well. And I think there's going to, I think there's going to be a match between Rollins and Theory at Survivor Series for the US title. I would think. Yeah, that seems to be the direction because obviously the, after the the match, uh, Theory attacked yes. Rollins, put him down, and sort of stood stood with the title at the end of the show. So that's yeah. it. We should mention that AJ Styles interfered before the finish. He shoved Finn Balor off the top rope, and then Rollins hit the stomp for the pin. There was all this chaos, all this mayhem at ringside. The OC and Judgment Day ran out, so there was all these, you know, all this action at ringside uh, before the finish, all this commotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, lots happened here, and then Austin Theory ran out afterwards and beat down Rollins, um, which one imagines will lead to Rollins defending the US title against Theory at Survivor Series. Will Bobby Lashley also be in that match, Kenny, potentially as a triple threat? Yeah, feels like it could happen. Feels like that's a potential. Um, you know, it also gives you an out, depending who you want pinned and who you don't. So, um, but yeah. I think see, I would. My, my money's on theory. I mean, I know this. I don't want anyone to start gambling. I'm not a gambler, by the way. I don't gamble at all. <laughs> but I, I, I've got a good feeling that about theory uh, leaving Survivor Series with the US title, and I think WWE will be very pleased with the response to Theory's new character. And we'll be wanting to capitalize on that, to build on that with a big win at Survivor Series. Yeah, I think you could be right. I think that the, that he, you know, they've, they've taken the briefcase off of him and now, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have him with the, the US belt. Exactly. Um, Something to counterbalance that and a title, a title win over Rollins. Indeed. Well, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We will be back later this week with the Power Slam podcast before uh, the weekend. Um, and we'll obviously be. Uh, there's loads of stuff coming up on Patreon all the time. We're going to be recording Survivor Series 2002 later this week. So there's plenty to be getting on with. Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes for, to support us with all that. But of course, InsideTheRopesMagazine.com is where you can purchase the new pre-order for issue 27 with Jim Cornett on the cover. Finn's explosive interview with him. Um, and it's well worth your time. So please do go check that out. 
Yeah, I mean, magazine goes on sale on November 24th, but if you subscribe, you usually get it several days before it goes on sale. Indeed. So we hope that you will check it out and uh, show some support. Uh, so thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.